Praise the Lord. Good morning. We're having full house this morning. Isn't it wonderful? Praise the Lord. I'm so glad to be with you this morning. And uh, haven't really been to this church a lot. Maybe this is my third time. The last time when I prophesied on you was my second. And I was here a long time ago. I can't remember. Actually, I can't even remember when. But I did remember uh, invited by Roland to prophesy on a bunch of people from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. He tortured me. That was over all the leaders, and it was one of the rooms up there. And it's, but, you know, what I have a sense about this church is I, I do feel quite excited about this church. Honestly, this is not sales talk. Um, ever since I had an uninvited and totally out of the world kind of thing to dream about Chris, why would I want to dream about you? <laughs> and then through a really unusual circumstance, I actually bumped into Raymond Xiao in the Awaken Australia thing. Thousands of people. That guy should be standing in front of me. And I said, it's strange that I meet you because you come from that church and I dreamed about your pastor. And uh, of course he invited me for, for this today. But uh, through another strange circumstance, Jonathan Mock came here and invited me and I happened to have a free Sunday that morning. And so I came. Thank you, Jesus. Well, this morning I'm going to deal with, I do have something about, uh, about this church in the prophetic, which I might share later. But um, let's do the mission thing, okay? <laughs> the title given to me is Go. Okay, well, that's uh, tremendous. But in a, right now, I think let's get on to a little bit of video to introduce where I'm coming from. And please, this is not about me, neither is it about selling anything. I, I don't have to prove anything really. It, you know, I've been in ministry nearly 40 years now. So it's just a little bit of a report and hopefully by seeing the video, we get a little bit of rapport. Okay, let's watch the four minute video. From Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. To God be the glory. His Word endures from beginning to end. To God be the glory. To God. 
That's a brief, a brief introduction to our church and what we've done since 1981. So our church is now 38 years old and um, started with one church, six people. Three of them decided to go to Singapore because you get better money there. <laughs> and uh, I don't think they ever regretted it because the Singapore dollar is very strong, even today, stronger than the Aussie dollar. And um, left with three, my wife and I, and the guitarist. From that, we started the church. And a little bit of history with FGA Kuala Lumpur, which you might not know. Brother Ang Chui Lai was the one who helped me in to register our church. I never knew him. I just went knocking on his door in his, uh, in his what do you call that, in his office. And he kindly helped me to register the church. That's how we got to know both Dr. Ko and Ang Chui Lai and later on Roland and Raymond and so on. That has gone back 30-something years. And um, today, we, have, we are a little movement of churches, so it's not only just one church. I don't really have a mega church, uh, but we have a movement of about 71 churches today. And so, I can't tell you that I've done it all. I didn't. So you can see most of the slides, my face is not even there, except for the beginning. Um, and towards the end, only with the international affiliations, is somehow uh, divinely connected by the Lord to be in association with different ones around the world. Um, we are into about 11 nations, particularly in church planting. But of course, when you do church planting, it's not just church planting. You've got to do a lot of work like other mission uh, uh, missional things uh, that mission work do. They, they, we have to buy you know, goats and so on uh, to help people to pave the ground and to, for the gospel and so on. Okay, um, let's get back into this thing. Um, this is not my set of slides. This is a different set of slides. This one is, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go on. It's Church on God's Kingdom Mission. And uh, of course, my context is my own church. Um, but I do hope that my uh, sharing here could be of some relevance to you because um, let me just give you an idea of while I have been involved in having a, the vision of church planting, the desire is not to have a missions department in our church. We don't have a missions department because the idea is to understand that the church exists for God's mission. I'm going to deal with the issue of just only a word on authority and uh, it's about spiritual authority in a minute when I get to that slide. But just to preempt it, one of the things about the relevance of your existence as a Christian in this world is your moral authority to be able to answer your kids, your children, this question. Daddy and mommy, what do we exist on this earth for? 
and if we are able to answer them in a way that will reflect God's heart, you are being missional. That's a very powerful and important understanding of what parenting is, really. Uh, so now let me just lean on to this whole idea of a missional church. While having been involved in church and church planting for a number of years, along the way, the Lord woke me up one morning about uh, 13 years ago in Melbourne, spring, November. I was just about to wake up when I heard maybe one of the clearest prophetic words that I've ever could register. And it went like this. The church is God's movement for the kingdom of heaven on earth. The church is God's movement for the kingdom of heaven on earth. From there, I went into a greater search to find out the church as a kingdom movement. It's one thing to do church. It's another thing to do kingdom church. Is, that, is, that, is there any difference? Technically or theologically, it shouldn't be different. Every church ought to be a kingdom church. But you and I know that we've been doing churches and therefore, in the last centuries, the way the church has been done has actually resulted to what, it has, what we are now seeing in Europe, where we are seeing that the church is actually struggling. And not only Europe, the impact of the church actually had dwindled. And more and more people, particularly young people, had not found the church relevant. I'm so pleased to see the bunch of guys up here and they're passionate, they're leading worship, and they're, you know, this is, this is great. Um, so the Lord began to open my eyes to see that doing church must lead to the resemblance of what Jesus came for. Because by the end of the day, we exist to become like Jesus Christ. Now that's a theory. We just keep on doing church. And I've done a lot of it. But the point is, God says that his church is about his movement that brings the kingdom of heaven on earth. Today, we hear from George Barner, the researcher in the USA, that says that 50% uh, of marriages in America end up in divorce. This statistic is the same as that which is not, which is from the non-church. That means the church and the non-church, no difference. Either the kingdom of this world has come into the church or the church is missing out on the fullness of God in Christ Jesus. And so, just attending church is no big deal. It's about whether or not your life is being transformed to be Christ-like, to be able to usher in and experience for yourself and therefore become a missionary. 
for the kingdom of heaven on earth so that Jesus Christ comes back for a glorious church so that Jesus Christ can establish on this earth the glory of the Lord that will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And it is about the whole idea of actually a better life, a wholesome life, a better family, a wholesome family. But the devil had successfully robbed even Christians from the fullness of what God intends it to be for us, especially in families. My journey had been churches, then kingdom of heaven on earth, then families, because somewhere along the line, I got this idea that the family is actually God's vehicle for the kingdom of heaven on earth. I'm big on this, and it's getting bigger. Then the last bit here is fairly recent. It's only in the last few years, last couple of years, really, when I felt so convicted of my own failures as a father. I have a special son, and I fail miserably as a father, even though you think that we have done well in ministry. You know, my report card in heaven, I have a feeling that were way stronger in my failure of success as a father rather than my report card on what we have done in church and missions and around the world. You'd think I can, or I think if I, I could be a hero around the whole world, preaching in churches and conferences and so on, but if I fail as, my, as a man, as a father, as a husband, I fail. So this is my own journey. Is it all right if I just share with you so, so honestly, even right at this very beginning? Because otherwise, what I'm talking about is quite empty, really. It's just another fellow trying to rev up, a mission, rev up a mission thing. But no, I'm not here to do that because my idea is so that we all can be missional people like Jesus and that our families will be missional families and then we will have a missional church. Without this, you will only have a missions department. Some guys will be hopping around the world, spending your money when you donate it, and you are just the rest of us just sitting home. And this is the, this is the phenomena that is everywhere in many places that I've seen. We run about 50, 60 mission trips per year from the main church in PJ which is about with two languages going on, maybe a thousand, thousand plus people. As a group of churches, we're not a mega church, but we do have about five to six thousand people. And uh, they're all everywhere though. That means I had to have a lot of pastors. That means I have a lot of administration and executive functions to do. And now more things are lobbed onto me <laughs> and I'm becoming very, very busy. And yet at the same time, in a dilemma of wanting to improve my fatherhood. And, um, and, and, but I, it's a good time, hallelujah. It's an exciting time, never a dull moment. I'll try to refrain from what I'm thinking about you. Uh, okay, um, the, the next slide, please. Uh, just get into, get into this particular message here. Haddon Robinson one of the guys whom 
people who would, who would go into seminary to learn how to preach will have, have to have this particular uh, book, his book as a textbook, okay, on expository preaching. And uh, he had this thing whereby when, when you read the Bible and when you want to preach from the Bible, when you want to share anything from the Bible, you've got to read the Bible to discover what's God's big idea. We need to know God's big idea. So when I'm preparing this message for you in terms of mission, so what's the big idea about missions? And I'm going to use a passage of scripture in John chapter 17. Next slide. And I'm going to read this. It's only a few verses from 15 to 21. And try to expound from it by drawing three points. Just three points. Any sermon that is worth listening is only three points. Okay? <laughs> All right. This is, his, this is the last prayer of Jesus. Okay? How many think that anything that somebody who, passed, who, who, who would pass away, the last words are important? So people say the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, very important because these are the last words of Jesus. But that would have been preached to you many times. But no, I'm going to not repeat what other people have preached. I'm going to deal with the last prayer of Jesus. And just only six verses. And he said this, My prayer is that you, it's not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. I think that's significant. Because we live in the world six and a half days in church half a day. What is influencing us more? How is it actually being expressed through our thinking on what life ought to be? What's the philosophy of our life and thinking? Are we going to live life according to the Aussie world system? Or are we here to live God's biblical system that is in the likeness of Jesus Christ? My prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. That's a very powerful thing. This word sanctification here is actually used three times here, two or three times. And, and, and he said, Jesus said, I sanctify myself so that they can be sanctified. If I'm thinking about parenting, if I'm thinking about being a father, the issue is whether I keep on having private sins and having my private videos running in the wrong way or going and viewing, at the, viewing the wrong things, and then thinking that, you know, you can get, it, get away with it because nobody can actually enter into your own laptop or your own Mac, Mac or whatever, you know. Uh, or whatever that I'm doing, whether in public or private, in terms of my sanctification, like Jesus said, is going to affect the sanctification of my children and my church and my leaders and 5,000, 6,000 of them. This is a very daunting thing. And so here Jesus said, 
I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That means not only for the 12 or 11 at a point in time, but their message and for all who would believe thereafter, including us. How many say amen to that? But it's also their message. That means it's your message too for others that are in your world. Um, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That means Jesus is expecting them to live out a message. They are supposed to be missionaries. I believe that this is applicable for us today. How many say amen? We have a message. Unless you're not really born again, then you've got nothing to say. But if you're born again, you actually have a message. And your message is to be able, is to be heard by your world. And the first arena of your world is your family, your extended family, and then your marketplace and your sphere of influence. Um, so he said, uh, uh, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who, believe, who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This particular passage or this whole chapter is very often used to pray for unity. But I, I, I want to propose to you that unity cannot be a reality until you have these three elements that I'm dealing with today. Next slide will show you. Well, the next slide says the big idea is Christ's kingdom mission to be our vision. The big idea from this passage that I have just dealt with is in John 8, 17, 18. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world that the world may believe. That's the big idea of this passage of scripture. And to be able to attain to it, let's come together in unity. But unity cannot be a reality until we move on to the next slide. We get into these three points that he was pray, that he prayed for his people, and these three points sometimes is being overlooked when we go straight into let's have unity. And I have been involved in a lot of uh, uh, rallies. I've led them through uh, before, and uh, we have this thing called the National Evangelical Christian Fellowship in Malaysia. NECF, and I've led in the early days of them uh, wanting to, pre uh, uh, as a preamble, as an introduction into National Day in August, uh, they, would have, um, they would have this rally, prayer rally, hoping that more churches will come together and so on. All that has accomplished is a lot of hard work, and by the end of this time when I'm leading them, I'm exhausted, and it's only an event. After so many years of serving the Lord and being in ministry and in pastor, actually I'm a little bit tired of events. I want the real thing. 
I want to grow a family, physical family, and also spiritual family. I want to have sons and daughters in the Lord so that they can actually be used by the Lord to be people with a message that will be on mission with God like Jesus was on mission with the Father. And that Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in him so that the Father's mission can be carried out throughout the whole world, beginning with our world. The first thing that Jesus prayed for the disciples, and of course it applies to us today, is not unity, but that the Father would protect them. And he was specific in verse, uh, in, 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 the, in, in I think verse 8, protect them from the evil one. You see, we must understand that if you want to be missional, you must be kept for God to be on Christ's mission, to be on God's mission. If not, the devil will work very hard to hijack you and, that, and then remove you from God's purpose in your life. He would do that with the young and he would do that with the old. And he would plant things that pertain to his system into the minds of you and I that will cause us to be dysfunctional for the purpose of God's mission in this world. So I am not coming from the angle of just trying to ask you to do missional things. I am telling you that you are crafted by God you are shaped by God to be like Jesus Christ, to be on mission with the Father. You have a mission on your life. If you ask somebody about his, about his identity, most of the time our identity is, is attached to our profession. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. Asians are famous for these. But after 65, you're over. What is it that is of eternal value? It's not your retirement. It's not your cruises that you take. It's about the real you. Who is the real you? What are you born again for? You and I are born again to be on mission with the Father like Jesus was on mission with the Father. And that means I'm required to change the whole vision and philosophy on how we should be attending church. For you is attending church. For me is attending to how to lead churches. I wish now for our churches to be kingdom families. But I wish also to have our families in the church to be kingdom families. Because there is a great difference between just only attending church family, a family attending church, or versus a kingdom family because a kingdom family ushers the kingdom of heaven on earth 
it ushers the glory, the goodness of kingdom, and the higher spiritual authority of the kingdom that is above the systems of this world, that is supernatural. I, I'm quite pleased to hear that you're having some workshop coming up, and uh, I happen to kind of know Chito. I've been to him, I've been, I met him before, and, uh, but I have not been, somehow not been able to connect him very much, with him very much, so I haven't even yet invited him to our church. And, um, but I, in any case now, it's a bit harder for me to invite people to our churches because I don't run the churches anymore. Every church has their own pastor, so you know, I've got to get permission from pastors to invite anybody. Uh, <laughs> It's just like when your children is having a home now, you don't just intrude. You better ask permission to get, you know, that kind of thing. I, I, I can't do that now. So I can't just simply invite, you know. And, um, uh, and uh, well, back, back, to, back to this whole idea of, of, of families with the kingdom of heaven on earth. Now, you, you think with me, if my family does not have the kingdom of heaven on earth, there is a possibility that if I just live all my values according to this world, I run the risk of having hell on earth, not heaven on earth. And do you know that there's such a vast majority of families that are dysfunctional in this world? So bad that many young people are actually discouraged about marriage, are discouraged about issues, and the issues about gender and, and so on, everything stems from their family experience that caused them to be confused and then going in ways that are totally beyond our imagination. I can only imagine, he says, but some things I can't even imagine. I didn't even imagine that we could be doing so many churches when I first started. Before I left Australia to plant my first church, I had three destinations in mind. So I was thinking that I'm going to be a pastor that will plant three churches. Of course, that's history now. This, the, protect, protect them from the evil one. I should have also added, John 10, 10 says, God, Jesus said, I come to give you life and life abundantly. But he says, the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. The devil has a threefold ministry to come to steal your joy, to steal your relationships, to steal your happiness, to kill. And so suicidal tendencies are not uncommon, uncommon these days. And then to destroy, if he can, he would destroy Christians. The world is bent. The spirit of this world is bent. No matter what, doesn't matter what brand it comes, in terms of persecution, in terms of bombing, in terms of whatever, it's bent on destroying God's people. Because this tussle, this spiritual battle had been on since Adam. Day one. It will, it will not end until Christ comes back again and until he is thrown into the lake of fire. In between time, Jesus said, Father, protect them. You see, in John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, is one of those verses that 
we don't preach a lot about, but it's in there, and please go and check out on it. When, when, when John wrote in the, in the epistle that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Whole world? You mean including all the systems? Well, that's what the Bible says. That's why there's so much chaos and ups and downs. And no, uh, you know, it, it's like among the good, there's the bad. Among the bad, there is good. But whatever it is, just be careful that there's somebody behind them. And his name is Satan. Now, Jesus said, Lord, protect them. And protect them so that Matthew 6 can become a reality. Matthew 6 is a very common prayer that most Christians know. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We recite it as a ritual, or not we, I mean generally. Or sometimes we recite it because uh, we are superstitious and uh, we go into some places that you feel is not clean, you recite it more and then you put a cross on your chest so that you can sleep well at night and then recite the Lord's Prayer. And, um, but Jesus prayed then in Matthew 6 that the Father's intention is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But the people must understand that coming to this earth is actually under the control of the evil one. So he said, pray, Father, pray that they be kept and protected from the evil one. Sanctify is another big word, and that's the second point in the, in the message. And the biggest skill that we have to train ourselves in is to be like Jesus, to be able to say like him in John 14 verse 30, that says that, 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 says that the devil has nothing in me. That's not an easy thing to do because we are so exposed to this world. But nevertheless, I think it's our assignment. Our assignment is that the devil will have nothing in us. How many of you have heard of Marie Kondo? Um, she's getting very popular. And now the idea of being a minimalist is actually getting popular too. My wife is in this process of trying to throw away a lot of stuff. And uh, we have moved through three condos, four condos, three condos in four years. How about that? Three condos, we moved in four years. So she reckons that we were on that 40-year thing, you know, where they have to make sure that they travel light. The 40-year of, of, of journey in the, in the desert, traveling light. And so, we have to give away, throw away, and so on, so that we can be light. Finally, we have just moved back into our own house. <laughs> so strange. Anyway, that's how, how it is. Uh, and I, I, I must tell you that I'm actually very, I'm very comfortable after all that moving around back into where we used to live. Jesus said, sanctify them. As I am sanctified, they also must be sanctified. And this whole idea of sanctified is the idea of actually getting 
being set aside for a purpose. You are set aside for a purpose. You are not just only a mechanical engineer or a lawyer or a doctor. You are not just that. You are one person that is born for God's purpose. You exist for God's, maybe that may just define it a little bit more. You are born again for God's kingdom purpose to bring heaven on earth. And you and I have the responsibility of something that pertains to a higher citizenship, your heavenly one, to bring about heaven on earth, that your children can taste a bit of God and heaven on earth for their life in the years to come, their years to come. And the third thing, of course, is the big, the big idea, sin, with Christ-like authority. And I mentioned to you this word authority, it's a moral authority. You have the moral responsibility of being able to answer a question to anyone, including your children, if they were to ask, what are the most important five things in your life? What would you say? What is the purpose of your life? What would you say? I would suggest that in the likeness of Jesus Christ, you will be able to say with authority, I live for the Father's mission on this earth according to the uniqueness God has made me because there's only one you in this whole wide world. There's only one set of fingerprint that is yours that nobody else has. And it is about understanding that you are sent even if you didn't go on a mission trip. It's not about mission trip. I told you we have 50, 60 mission trips a year. That means every Sunday, somebody is away from the church. Not on a cruise, but on a mission. But sometimes we do both. We are both evangelists and tourists at the same time. I think it's more fun that way. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you a model. And this model is in a four quadrangle, uh, four quarters. I hope you can see it. I think it's quite clear. The first uh, quadrant, this is family missional church, evangelistic focus. Now, Within this is actually the fivefold ministry of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13. Okay? And uh, actually 4, 11 to 16. But I didn't put it down, but if you're writing notes, you can do it. The first uh, quarter is about the church as a missionary, as a pastoral community. We are all very familiar with this. And the demand for a pastor is absolutely important. The word pastor means shepherd, poimen in Greek. And um, it has got to do with the idea of nurture, but I added a word here because Jesus' model of being a shepherd is in John chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice. Now, not for the lack of attendance, not for the lack of knowledge today that is so prevalent 
in, in this world today. Many people know a lot of Bible, have a lot of books, and have a lot of uh, knowledge about many things about church and so on. The issue is not about these. The issue is whether we have heard. Because right in the center of this whole thing is the ministry of teaching. The church as a teaching community. And I would like to propose to you, maybe it's not a proposal, but rather a, 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 a salient, a significant uh, understanding that the church and therefore you, your family, has to be a teaching community. Not just left to somebody like me teaching you on a Sunday, which I believe all responsible father, uh, pastors, and let me say this too, you know, pastors should be spiritual fathers as well. So that in your being fatherly, you might be able to be pastorally more relevant to touch people heart to heart. We are familiar with this whole idea of church, but we are, first of all, in the center of it is teaching. And Jesus taught a lot in the Gospels. And it's not just teaching for the sake of head knowledge, although don't despise intellect because it's very important. I'm still back to Bible school now, Bible seminary actually, and uh, doing something. And I'm research, by the way, my research, I'm in the middle of it, is on fatherhood. Okay, so I'm not here just because there's a spur of some inspiration. I prophesy at a spur of inspiration, but I live and I impart and I teach according to an, accumul an accumulation of, of, of knowledge. But having knowledge doesn't equal having wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. And so we need to have, and it's wisdom that will transform you. And it's not about just only knowing the Bible that will transform you because we might have heard a lot of sermons and we might be still sitting in the church and not be very transformed. We could be in the church for 20 years and actually the life is still the same, all same, or only you own your own family and your children will tell. Because on Sunday, it's all quite superficial. Of course, I'm not talking about your church, I'm talking about the church down the road. <laughs> is there a church down the road? No, that's fine. I'm safe now. I'm quite safe. Okay. okay. Um, I hope I'm making sense this morning. I'm talking about mission, but I'm not talking about mission trips. I'm not talking about even your giving. I've shown a lot of those. But among all those things, this is my real message about your, your family being a kingdom family on mission with the Father. And to do that, Jesus said, I need to pray, Lord, you protect them because there's a world system competing for your life and for the life of your family. Next thing, sanctify them, set them apart. You see, the word sanctification actually sometimes is attached to, word, to the word holy. But the problem is this word holy is very intimidating. So I, I have left it out because it's too intimidating because none of us would feel holy enough. We have a not enough syndrome all the time. I'm not holy enough. I don't fast enough. I don't pray enough. I don't read Bible enough. I'm not enough. I'm so glad that we are not enough, but Jesus is enough for all. Amen. And the whole idea is that 
It's going to be the teaching that we will have, we will receive. But you know what? It's going to be the teaching that you will give to your family and to your children as a father and a mother together. I, I'm doing a research on father, but I must tell you that the reason why the Bible has a lot to say about the father is because the mother cares and nurtures automatically. It's in their instinct and the father needs to be told to do that. How brilliant are we? And that's the way it is. But anyway, I'm going to learn now at this age and I, uh, I'm actually close to retirement. I, actually, I'm on retirement age. Technically, but I felt that Lord, you are showing these things to me a bit late, aren't you? <laughs> Isn't it a bit late? <laughs> anyway, for whatever that's worth, still so long as I'm breathing, I'm going to learn how to relate with my son. I'm going to learn how to turn my heart to my son, so that my son will turn his heart to my to the father, so that heaven can come down to earth in my family. And you know what? Then I'm on a mission now with my family. And I plan to increase it so that family together. We have done that before. We go to China together on mission trips and so on. But I think it's a totally different slant when my heart is in it. Not just doing because the church does it. The whole idea of teaching is not head knowledge but transformative. And it is so that our lives can be sanctified. Okay? And so, then back to the pastoral, pastoral uh, quarter there, community, and to transform. It's not about, and, and to, to be truly nurtured, it's about like Jesus saying, we need to hear from the shepherd. You see, you can have a lot of knowledge about, oh my goodness, time's up. <laughs> Sorry about this. Let me just quickly finish it off, all right? Um, in short, <laughs> hear from God, you will change. Head knowledge, you don't change. Second quarter, apostolic community. It's about being apostolic because the word apostle means sin. You are sent and you are authorized. And I already talked about it. No need to say anymore. The third quarter, priesthood community. Priesthood community. You and I know in the book of Revelations that God calls you to be a king and a priest. It is not just the clergy. That's why we don't wear a collar back, and, back to front anymore. In fact, look at him. He doesn't even have a jacket on. He is not presentable. But he's for real though. That's the main thing. I think we're all for real, amen? I hope this morning I'm for real. I'm not just coming to give you a sermon. I'm actually quite, I have enough of sermonizing. All right, priesthood is about altar. I have a book out there for sale, Kingdom Family. Going for cheap. It used to be 20 bucks. But Pastor Chris say, if you price them at 15 bucks, you'll sell more. Because FGA is price sensitive. So I priced them 15 bucks. Ruth has got somebody to man it. I only brought 30 copies. Okay. Do I have one copy in there? All right. Let me just quickly finish the last one. Prophetic community. The last one is prophetic community. 
you're having a prophetic workshop. The issue is hearing and a voice. I know that your youth has got an echo thing, but I believe God doesn't want you to be only an echo of another Bible teacher. He wants you to be a voice. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I so far, I haven't even given you a lot of testimonies about missions. I let other people do it. But consider my message done. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was about to give somebody a book. If you like to really read a book on Kingdom Family and a very simple, easy to read book, the font is actually bigger to cater for some people to be able to read easier. <laughs> oh, okay. If you really want to read this book and it's your birthday today, the first one that comes to me, I'll give you this book for free. Anybody here birthday today? Nobody. I save it, man. <laughs> Cantonese say Han Fan. God bless you. Amen. Hey, you know, it was, it's such a privilege to have Pastor Jeremiah here. He's um, a little bit too modest about what he has done over the last 40 years. Um, but one of the reasons why we have him here is because even as we are chatting, our heartbeat is very much the same. Um, you know, in our language, we would say, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. That's how we would answer the purpose um, life. And I hope you caught his heartbeat today, that God's plan for mission is actually in for every single one of us. Um, we need to activate ourselves in. Like we can't, just don't just show up to church, clock in, sit on a seat, and then, and then leave. That is not transformational. We all know Christian families and their home family life is not heaven. Have, is not full of the things of God, has not. And so um, can I pray for all of us as we close today's service? I think today was a gold message. It was so needed uh, for us. And I personally have been so convicted as well. So can I lead all of us in really as we respond to what God has spoken to us? Father, I pray. Lord, that you would activate this church for missions, not in the programs that we run or the trips that we take, but that you would activate every single family, whether it is um, an individual here, um, whether you're, it's a couple, whether it's a family with kids, whether grandparents or retirees or uncles and aunties. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that every single one, even kids, even youth, Lord God, that we would catch our purpose from you, that we would be missional in, in how we bring heaven here on earth and that together as a household of faith that this church would transform our own homes, the community around us and the wider community of this world. We commit all of this into your hands, Lord. Change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks for coming. Next week, we go back into the book of Revelation. I'm kicking off our, uh, it's kind of like the movie.